What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. One of the most frequent requests I get is if I was starting over today, how would I start a dividend portfolio? And if I could do a video for complete beginners. So I'm gonna go over a lot of beginning topics in this video, as well as share what stocks I'd invest in if I were starting today. That being said, I would never invest in a stock because someone else is doing it or saying how they would do it. You always need to do your own research and factor that into your own risk tolerances, goals, financial situation, understanding of the market, etc. So as always, this is not financial advice. So today's video would be how I'd start a dividend portfolio in 2020. And I apologize, I'm kind of getting over a cold right now, so my voice is off. So let's start at the very beginning. What is a dividend and why is there so much hype about them out there? A dividend is a cash payment made by a company to its shareholders, usually coming from their profits. Some public companies choose to pay dividends, some don't. Generally speaking, newer companies don't pay dividends because they choose to reinvest all the money they make in order to grow their company faster rather than use their profits to pay out shareholders in the form of dividends. However, if a public company has been around for a while and their growth starts slowing down, which is normal as you get bigger, then they sometimes decide to offer a dividend as a way to both reward people who own their stock and as a way to attract more investors to buy their shares. The more people that are buying their shares rather than selling, the higher a stock goes. Of course, management usually owns a ton of shares themselves, so they also obviously benefit from dividends getting paid. Stock buybacks are another way shareholders are rewarded because that generally causes the stock price to increase because there are less shares outstanding in the company. I can do a video in the future about stock buybacks if subscribers are interested. Just leave a comment down below or DM me. T. Boone Pickens, the American business magnate, once said, I don't like stock buybacks. I think if a company has the money to buy their stock back, then they should take that and increase the dividends. Send it back to the shareholder. Let them invest their money again from the dividends. I get that, and while I prefer dividends, I have now come to appreciate buybacks as well. So the two ways companies return money back to their shareholders are from dividends and stock buybacks. Dividends are usually paid quarterly, i.e. every three months, but sometimes they can be paid monthly or at other frequencies. It's the company's board of directors that determines if they should have a dividend, how much the dividend should be, how frequently they pay out their dividend, and if they should increase it, cut it, or leave it the same. Normally decisions to change their dividend happen once a year. Also, it's important to understand that when you buy a stock, that means you become a partial owner in the company. That's right, if you buy one share of Microsoft, ticker MSFT, which I'm long in, that means you are now a shareholder of Microsoft, which also means you're a part owner of it. I find that fact so cool that you now literally are a part owner in a company, and the more shares you have, the larger percentage of that company you own. For frame of reference, and as I mentioned in my Microsoft Deep Analysis video I did, Bill Gates, who is one of the richest men in the world and was the founder of Microsoft, owns a little more than 100 million shares of it. Stocks are assets. They become part of your net worth, just like the money you have in the bank or if you own a house and have some equity in it. I like to equate buying dividend companies akin to starting a farming business which plants cash-making trees. Your cash trees keep growing cash, and you can harvest that cash to either use or to plant more cash trees. The more you plant, the larger your farm, the more potential for cash flow. So why do people love dividends so much? Well, dividends are one of the truest forms of passive income out there. That means that once you buy the stock, you basically keep getting a dividend cash payment into your brokerage for as long as the company decides to keep paying it. And usually once a company starts paying a dividend, it doesn't stop paying one, because if they stop, then shareholders tend to sell their stock and invest in something else. So for simply holding a dividend stock in your brokerage and doing nothing else, you get paid cash every month or every few months. How amazing is that? You literally just buy a stock that has a dividend, and then you can sit on your butt and watch cash flow in. That is what passive income is, and that is how you can make money while you're sleeping. All those smart people at the company you are an owner in are now effectively working for you and all the other owners of the company. You've now transitioned from just being an employee to also being the ultimate boss. 
So do you know who the boss of the CEO is? It's usually the board of directors. And do you know who the boss of the board of directors is? Well, that's you as a shareholder. You get to vote even if the board of directors gets elected back in. Another amazing thing about dividends is that they aren't directly tied to the stock price of a company. So let's look at a quick example. As of the day I'm creating this video, Microsoft pays a dividend of 51 cents per share per quarter, which means they pay you $2.04 per share that you own per year. If you own 10 shares of Microsoft, then each year you would get another $20.40 cash deposited into your brokerage. Microsoft currently trades at about $180 per share. So if the stock price went up to $250 per share, they would still pay you the same 51 cents per share per quarter. If the stock fell to $50 per share, they would still pay you the same 51 cents per share per quarter. And quality companies tend to keep raising their dividend every year. That's not a guarantee, but that's often what happens. That fact surprised my dad when I explained how dividends worked. He had heard of dividends, but he had assumed that when the stock price fluctuated down, that automatically meant that a company paid out less in dividends, and if their stock price went up, that they paid out more. He was blown away to learn that the dividend price isn't directly tied to the stock price, and that you get paid out the same amount regardless of the stock price. So that's another reason people love dividends, is it kind of feels like steady, reliable income. You don't put as much worry into things like buying and selling and watching the daily stock prices. I found dividend income to be almost guaranteed, as long as you're investing in quality companies. I say almost because even quality companies can die or cut their dividend. Okay, now that you have an understanding of stock ownership and dividends, how do we go about starting a dividend portfolio? The first thing I would do is find a brokerage so I could buy stocks. Brokerages are just companies that help you buy and sell stocks in public companies. So they are basically helpful middlemen. There's lots of options for brokerage companies you could use. I personally have accounts with almost all the brokers out there, even though I primarily use E-Trade. So I have accounts at Fidelity and Vanguard, M1, E-Trade, T. Rowe Price, Morgan Stanley, Schwab, and a bunch of others. Why do I have so many? Well, as I've worked at a variety of jobs over my life, and those companies I work for often had 401k programs with different brokerages, so I automatically got accounts with different brokerages over time. As I left a job, I would roll over my 401k into my IRA so I could have control over it, but I still kept my old brokerage accounts. Sometimes I'll log into them. I've also opened accounts at brokerages just to try them out. So if I wanted to start investing today and had never done it before, what would I look for in a brokerage? Well, I would want, in no particular order, number one, a name I recognize, number two, free stock trades, number three, the ability to buy fractional shares, number four, drip capabilities, number five, retirement accounts, number six, custodial accounts, number seven, a good mobile app and a good desktop web interface, number eight, a history without significant issues, number nine, good human customer support, Number 10, good security, and number 11, trades that are done immediately and at the best price. Let me explain why for each of those. Number one, I want to recognize the name of the brokerage so that I have some confidence it was real and reputable. I've heard of E-Trade and M1, but if it was a name I'd never heard of, I personally wouldn't risk transferring a significant amount of cash into it to buy stocks. Free stock trades are a relatively new thing. I used to have to pay over $10 for every time I bought or sold a stock. Now most brokerages will let you trade, aka buy and sell stocks, for free. Number three, the ability to directly buy fractional shares are only possible with some brokerages. So M1 lets you buy fractional shares, but I still can't do that in E-Trade, though I bet you within a year E-Trade will add that functionality to remain competitive with other brokerages. A fractional share is probably what you think it is. Using our Microsoft example, let's say you only had $90 to invest and wanted to buy Microsoft that costs $180 per share. Well, if your brokerage didn't let you directly buy fractional shares of Microsoft, then you wouldn't be able to buy the stock until you had enough for the full share. But if your brokerage let you buy fractional shares, then you could buy half a share of Microsoft or one-tenth of Microsoft or whatever. Basically, fractional shares just let you buy less than one full share of the stock. So it's handy, but not necessary. You can always just stock up cash until you have enough to buy full shares. Number four, I would also want to see drip capabilities. 
DRIP stands for Dividend Reinvestment Plan. This is just a simple toggle you can set for each of your stocks that has dividends to say that when your cash dividend gets paid to you, you've decided that you want to buy more fractional shares of stock. Companies that have DRIP capabilities usually can automatically buy fractional shares, even though they might not let you directly buy fractional shares. E-Trade is an example of that. So while you can't buy fractional shares at E-Trade, they will buy fractional shares if you DRIP the stock. I like DRIPS because it puts your investing on partial autopilot and enables the magic of compounding to happen without you doing anything. So what do I mean by compounding? Let's say you own 100 shares of Microsoft and it pays 51 cents per share per quarter. Since you own 100 shares, that means they would pay you $51 a quarter. But since you have your DRIP turned on, instead of it depositing $51 cash into your brokerage, it instead buys $51 worth of Microsoft, which would be about 0.283 shares of Microsoft if it was trading at $180. So now you would have 100.283 shares of Microsoft after one quarter went by. Now let's pretend another quarter went by. Well, now you have 100.283 shares of Microsoft. So it would have a dividend payout of $51.14. So you see, you just got 14 more cents than you did last quarter. So now you'd buy $51.14 more worth of Microsoft and you keep growing. And that's how you're doing quarterly compounding. Each quarter you're buying a bit more and are owning a bit more than before. And that's why they call it a snowball that keeps growing. At first, when you start dividend investing, you're only getting tiny increases, but the longer you do it, you generally start making more and more money. Imagine instead of 100 shares, you had 1,000 shares. Well, now you're getting 10 times as much. That being said, it's important to realize that if you hold your stocks in a normal taxable brokerage account, then you will owe taxes on the dividends you receive, even if you drip them and never personally touch the cash. Which leads me to my next item I'd like to see my brokerage having, which is number five, retirement accounts, like traditional IRAs or Roth IRAs, amongst others. Retirement brokerage accounts basically let you buy and sell stocks that you don't get taxed on until you retire and withdraw. There's a lot of nuance in that, as 401ks use pre-tax dollars and Roths use post-tax dollars, and 401ks generally tax you when you withdraw from them and can withdraw from them, and Roths you don't. Each has limits on how much you can deposit in your retirement account in a year, and each has certain requirements and limitations on how you can withdraw and how you use them. Generally speaking, you want to wait until you're almost 60 to start withdrawing from your retirement accounts to avoid most penalties. Normal taxable brokerage accounts are nice because you can deposit as much as you want into them and you can buy or sell and withdraw when you want, but you have to then deal with tax implications, both from activities like receiving dividends or from selling stocks. There are also different types of dividends, such as qualified dividends and non-qualified, amongst others. Most dividends I invest in, like Microsoft, are qualified and are generally taxed at the capital gains rates, but some dividends can be taxed at normal wage income. I won't go into all the various tax consequences, but be aware there are some nuanced tax implications based on a slew of factors. Talk to your tax advisor and research it on your own. You generally must hold or own the stock unhedged for at least 61 days during the 121-day period that begins 60 days before the ex-dividend date for the dividends to be considered qualified. Though generally speaking, if you hold your stocks in a tax-sheltered brokerage account like an IRA, then you usually don't have to worry about owing any taxes in the short term. But like I said, there's a lot of nuance, so really dig deeper into understanding the tax implications of each different stock that you own. For reference, I'm currently using E-Trade and have both a normal taxable account as well as a tax-sheltered IRA account. I also actively use M1. Number six, I'd ideally like to see my brokerage support custodial IRA accounts. These are special brokerage accounts you set up for a child or minor where you can invest in assets in the account on someone else's behalf until they're old enough to take it over, usually at age 18 or 21, depending on state laws. Then they get full control of it. This is a nice way you can start getting their retirement nest egg started in compounding and hopefully help influence them to continue investing. There are some disadvantages to custodial accounts as they might reduce a child's financial aid eligibility when they apply for college, amongst other things. So like everything, research it. Not all brokerages allow custodial accounts. E-Trade does, but M1 doesn't quite yet. 
Number seven, I'd like my brokerage to have a good mobile app for seeing my account and for trading stocks, as well as have a good desktop browser version. M1 meets my requirements here, but I'm not fond of E-Trade's mobile app. That being said, I do 99% of my buys and sells on a computer. Number eight, I want a brokerage that doesn't have a history of issues. Some newer brokerages have come up lately with some bugs in their software that led to various issues. None of those issues have been serious enough that I would refuse to use those brokerages, but it's still something to consider. Number nine, I also want good human customer support. There are times that I will call and ask a question, and I want an interaction that is positive. I don't just want online text documentation. I want a real person I can talk to. Number 10, I want good security. So things like multi-factor authentication is important to me to better secure the accounts. Number 11, I ideally like trades that are done immediately at the best price. Some brokerages like M1 have trade windows, which is when they buy and sell stocks for their default accounts. Trade window is the window of time each weekday when M1 makes all trades for user accounts. They do this to keep their management fees low. That should generally be okay for me because I see investing as a long-term process, so I wouldn't use M1 for frequent trading. M1 also has a premium option to have improved trading windows. But I like the fact that E-Trade just executes a trade basically immediately when the market is open. I also want the stock to be bought at the best price, and it's possible for brokerages to use market makers who pay brokers a small fee for using them to trade, which could not necessarily be the best price at the time. Something to dig into, though it usually won't materially impact you. There is one other perk that wouldn't be something I normally look for in a brokerage and that E-Trade offers that I really like. They have an online savings bank that is paying a 1.75% interest rate as of the time I'm making this video. And what I like about that is that I can easily store cash on there that I'm not ready to invest and instantaneously transfer from the E-Trade savings bank into my E-Trade brokerage account to do an instant trade. But with all that being said, if I was starting today with a smaller portfolio to invest, I'd probably go with M1, even though it doesn't yet have custodial accounts and it has trading windows and such. If I had a larger portfolio, let's say over 200k, then I'd probably use the more established brokers like E-Trade. Okay, so now let's say I've decided I'll go with M1. What's the next step to get my dividend portfolio going? Well, when you open an account, you'll have to answer some basic questions, and then you'll hook your bank account to M1 so you can transfer cash into your account to buy stocks. And you determine what types of accounts you want. If I was starting now and I met all the requirements, then I'd open a Roth IRA retirement brokerage account, and I'd do a taxable brokerage account. I'd try to put in as much as I could into my Roth, which is $6,000 for most people. And then after I invested $6,000 into stocks in my Roth, I'd look into invest whatever other money I had into my new taxable brokerage account. So the next question is, what stocks would I invest in if I was starting over? Let me start off by saying that if my kids asked me that, I would tell them that statistically speaking, their best odds of getting a good return would be to just pick VTI or VU rather than pick individual stocks, and then keep investing in them regardless of market conditions. VTI and VU are called ETFs or exchange traded funds. These investment funds are traded on stock exchanges similar to how single stocks are. ETFs hold assets such as stocks, commodities, or bonds. I like to think of ETFs as baskets of stocks that you get charged a tiny fee to invest in them and are made up of tons of companies. VTI holds small, medium, and large U.S. companies, and VU holds just large companies. By large, I mean it holds companies like Apple, Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, Amazon, Facebook, and others. So each share of VTI or VU that you buy also means that you are getting, in essence, partial shares of Apple, Microsoft, Google, etc. Both VTI and VU are market cap weighted, which means that the larger holdings in the fund have a greater influence on the fund's performance. So right now, Microsoft is about 5% of VU, and then Apple is the next largest, and then there are others. So just like you can buy shares of Apple stock with the ticker of AAPL through your brokerage account, you can also buy shares of VTI, which stands for Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF, or VU, which stands for Vanguard S&P 500 ETF. Vanguard is a financial company that was founded by Jack Bogle, who is a big proponent of low-cost investing for individuals like you and me. So investing in Vanguard funds are a simple and great way to jump into investing, as opposed to single stock investing, which is riskier. But I personally like to invest in single stocks rather than ETFs. 
I've learned that my personality gets more enamored with investing when I invest in single stocks, and that love pushes me to stay invested and keep investing. The main reason why I would invest in something like an ETF was if I had a job and that had a 401k plan. 401k plans tend to offer mutual funds and ETFs for employees to invest in. And then once I left the job, I would roll over my 401k into single stocks in my dividend portfolio. Another reason why I choose investing in ETFs is because it requires less time and management to do so. Most people just keep investing in their ETFs regardless of what's happening in the market, and they never sell. In fact, Warren Buffett has said that he wants 90% of his portfolio and assets to go into an S&P 500 index fund for his wife. I think he wants this because it's easier to manage and will most likely get the best returns. Anyways, I've had good enough results over the years going with individual quality stocks, some of which had dividends, some of which didn't. So I'm comfortable picking individual stocks now. However, I don't recommend that approach for others. Okay, so now I'm focused on single stocks. What's next to consider? Well, I want a diverse portfolio to spread some risk out. I don't want to lose everything if one of my single stocks tanks. So I picked stocks to create a diverse portfolio of companies that covered various sectors, had histories of increasing their dividend, and I believed in their growth potential, amongst other things. Another question I would ask myself is would I want to lump sum invest or would I dollar cost average? As I mentioned in a previous video, Vanguard and others have shown how historically lump sum investing beats dollar cost average investing. However, most people don't have large lump sums to invest, so let's assume you're just going to be trickling your money into your account. The next question I'd ask myself is do I want to just invest in stocks at the current prices or do I want to wait for pullbacks? Generally speaking, buying on pullbacks is the best return, but some great stocks can keep on trending up. So it depends on your time frame and risk tolerances and goals and such. I would probably try to avoid buying at all-time highs, unless my time frame was for multiple decades and I really wanted to get into certain quality companies and didn't have the patience to wait, and I could handle them dropping. The longer your time frame you're looking for at the time you need to use the money, the less I think it matters if you try to wait to time on big pullbacks. I think the longer amount of money I was investing, the more I'd wait to get in a good price on my investment. But if I was starting with smaller amounts of money, I might just establish my position and keep TCAing in. For this exercise, let's assume I just want to dive in. The reality is that no one can call if we're going to have another 10-year run-up on stocks or if things will crash tomorrow. I generally see riskier stocks having higher yields, aka returns, so I factor that into my decision-making as I build my portfolio. So my portfolio would have Johnson & Johnson, which is my favorite healthcare company that I think will be around for generations, unless politics somehow crushes the industry. It would have Pepsi, which is my favorite consumer staples food beverages company, Procter & Gamble, which is my favorite consumer staples household goods company, McDonald's Consumer Discretionary, another favorite of mine, which generally holds up well in all market conditions, Realty Income, which is some nice monthly income, which doesn't really matter, but it's nice psychologically, Duke Utility, which is some nice current yield now, AT&T for telecommunications, which also gives me some current yield with upside potential if they execute. Exxon for energy, which gives me some current yield, albeit in a declining industry. 3M for industrials, which is a decent price and exposure into industrials. Microsoft Tech, which gives me some great long-term returns. And Disney, consumer discretionary, a company I feel will be here for generations, even though their dividend history is relatively low. Some of these are pricey, like Realty Income and Microsoft, amongst others. But I would personally invest if my starting amount of money wasn't that huge, just to start me in my generational investment journey. The more money I had, the more I'd want to wait for pullbacks to invest. But I think with smaller amounts of money, the psychological benefits of owning anything might outweigh the improved return. But that's why what makes sense for me is different than what might make sense to you. So that's the process I'd go to start a new dividend portfolio and what stocks I would invest in. Please don't forget to subscribe and hit the thumbs up button. And remember, I believe in you. You can make it. And I'll talk to you soon in my next video. Or jump into my Discord if you want to chat live with me. Remember, I'm not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk.
I'm only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments. Don't use this information without double checking it and talking to someone a lot smarter than me after you completely understand it. So I'll see you in the next video and remember to stay positive, patient, play for the long term, keep investing in great companies, budget reasonably, and win. I know you can do it. Just like I know you can hit the subscribe, like, and bell icons, share this video with others, and comment below.